Jody Vance in for Jill. And uh, how's your Zoom call game going? I'm actually adding a plant to behind me after Keith Baldry got his Room Raider uh, up to a 9 out of 10. This is, where, this is what we're doing. This is what we have become in isolation, trying to connect with our friends, trying to have a little fun, trying to find some levity. And yet today, reading articles about Zoom having shut down activist accounts in obedience with China. This is this is a, a real sort of jolt to when we think we're just oh playing around and it's just like a FaceTime call. It's it's apparently not, or is it? Let's let's bring in the expert. Jesse Miller, founder of Mediated Reality, joins us on the line. Hey Jesse. Jody, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm zooming. Do you zoom? I use Zoom in a professional capacity. I haven't had a lot of those Zoom hangouts, but uh, for for teaching, especially remote education, it's been a great tool. Now, I remember when uh, I've got a 12-year-old and when we were talking about online schooling and how that was all going to go, first it was going to be Zoom and then everybody all of a sudden put the brakes on that and moved over to Microsoft Teams. Can you explain what happened there? Yeah, well, a couple of things. First, uh, anytime that you have vulnerable individuals uh, converging in a space, uh, especially here in British Columbia, we have a number of privacy laws that have to be fulfilled before any kind of application can be introduced by an educator. So what we saw with Zoom at the beginning of our COVID shutdown, it was fast-tracked to be approved by the British Columbia government as a hosted in BC alternative to uh, being in class. And it met all the criteria for what we'd expect of a school district engaging. Um, But some school districts, uh, after further review, saw some concerns. So they went to other platforms that they had already had in place, like Microsoft Teams. So what are we seeing now with regard to Zoom and the Chinese government shutting down some activists once they were recognized as having content that the uh, that the government did not agree with, I guess? Yeah. And so one of the things I want to make really clear here is that we, we in the media sometimes see these themes of China and, and the, the oppressive state that does exist um, and think automatically any company that's Chinese based is going to have the secondary sub- subvert um, access by the government. That does mm. exist based on Chinese law, because if you have a company that's operating in China, you have to be law abiding in that country the same way if we have a company that abides uh, by, by Canadian law or United States law. Um, So in that, uh, obviously, the Chinese government does choose to censor some topics that they believe shouldn't be spoken to. And they're not a democracy, uh, obviously. Um, So this event, which was in discussion about Tiananmen Square, uh, a a tragedy that happened in the late 80s that is not acknowledged by the current uh, Chinese government, um, was shut down because of the theme and where the conversation was taking place, which was primarily directed towards mainland China. How would they have found out about this? Well, a couple things. One, when we publicize events, uh, obviously governments pay attention. Um, mm-hmm. I do a lot of work in the United States prior to the COVID shutdown. So if I'm going to the States and I choose to say I'm going for a vacation, but I'm actually going for work, and the client that I have has done an advertisement, they could easily Google and find out that this event was happening and I'm not being truthful in my disclosure. Um, because I have a visa and I'm allowed to work in the States, um, I don't have to hide that. So when I have a client who's doing an open publication, um, I already know that there's potential for somebody to Google my name, the city I'm going to, and find that that corresponding info. What most likely happened here was some publication was done online, and either uh, allies of the Chinese government or the Chinese government themselves stumbled onto the notification and decided to lean onto one one of the companies hosting, which was Zoom, and tell them to uh, censor this event. 
to shut it down. Uh, what are we hearing? I'm going to shift off of Zoom, Zoom and go to Twitter. I was uh, listening to our news and the cycle uh, included how Twitter is shutting down some anonymous sort of troll-like, uh, um, I don't know, fake profiles from China. Yeah. And, and so we saw the same thing with uh, the call for shutting down bot accounts from Russia, especially mm-hmm. uh, prior and post uh, 2016 American election. Anytime that uh, Twitter actively starts shutting down bot accounts, they're recognizing that there is uh, a, a campaign from some group trying to get information to be shared in certain ways. And what we see with these or misinformation management campaigns is uh, you have a small group that's been selected by either uh, an advocate for a, a cause or, or a group, and they are contracted to basically flood social media with disinformation. And this is one of those steps. Twitter has recognized that there are a number of bots that are emerging out of China, uh, trying to share information in certain ways, uh, trying to inflame certain issues. And uh, they've put in an effort to uh, bring these down. We're with Jesse Miller, the founder of Mediated Reality. And you know what, Jesse? It's really interesting. It, it feels like it's happening more often when posting something rather benign on Twitter. And inevitably, like within seconds, it feels like there's somebody going blah, blah, blah to the negative or spinning it or trying to trying to poke a, um, a reaction, trying to, to, to sort of spark some negativity or some, yeah, some reaction that would go back and forth. And I always, on your great advice, always click on that profile. And I'm going to say almost 10 out of 10 times that profile has single digit followers or is following zero. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, we start to see keywords being highlighted there. So if we take any of the major themes that we've seen in the past month, uh, whether it's the well-needed protests with Black Lives Matter, whether it's uh, conversations about uh, policing, or when it comes down to just the emerging politics, whether it's in Canada, the United States, or anywhere else in the world, um, any keyword can be weaponized to have disinformation associated to it. And so those bot accounts, especially within seconds of you seeing it, is an automated response. And so a person can program this bot to actually not only link, but inflame certain conversations for the purpose of creating that polarization. So do we just block those? You, you block them as often as you can. It's the same when people are getting those phone calls from uh, from tele, telemarketing nice. or uh, different language and you don't understand what they're saying. But the reality of it is, is that all of these campaigns are, are so planned that uh, the second you block one bot and it gets reported and taken down, there's probably going to be 10 more to take their space. And that's why we hope that social media platforms really do recognize that there is a need for more people to be verified on the platform. And I, I, I've always been a huge advocate for this. You have a verified uh, Twitter account from your job. Uh, working in journalism, um, if everybody was verified, if everybody had to put down something to verify who they were, um, the internet would become a much better place. And uh, we wouldn't have these an, issues with trolls. That is an excellent topic. You know what, Jesse, come back with me next week and let's talk that through and how we can sort of maybe get noisy about making that happen, even just in Canada, if there's a way to do that. I really appreciate you taking the time as always, Jess. Thanks, Jody. Find Jesse at Mediated Reality, a great follow on Twitter, always a great resource.